Welcome everyone. Welcome to Neutral Lounge, a podcast about video games and computer technology. I'm your host Joel, and with me is my co-host Alex. Together, we make up the Neutral Lounge. In this episode, we talk about Computex 2021, Epic V's Apple, Risk CPUs, and how it changes gaming. Is PlayStation turning a corner this generation? Our anticipated games of 2021, and Xbox, is it for the gamers? Without further ado, let's talk tech. Hey Al, so um, welcome back hey, to Joe. yet another neutral lounge. So look, the the weather's super stellar in London. Yeah, uh, sun's back out. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm feeling better. You know, yep. all things considered. Yeah. How's it going on your end? You're back yeah, in London, uh, right? Back in London. Definitely got my um, good dose of vitamin D. Um, you know, caught up with some friends. Um, had my first vaccine dose um, kind of earlier in the week. Um, not many side effects. Um, yeah, and just doing, you know, just general things, keeping safe, taking lateral flow tests and all that sort of stuff. So, yeah, seems to be, seems, things are improving. Um, yeah, so, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I you know, I'm I've basically done my first jab and waiting for the second jab end of June uh June 30th. So, you know, looking forward to getting that out of the way. Mm. Things are opening up now, so, you know, I'm able to see a bit more people. Yeah. Saw my parents for the first time since last August. Mhm. In the flesh, of course. Yeah. So that, you know, that was that was really nice and obviously seeing a, a few friends here and there. You know, I don't know about getting back to normality. You know, it's it's imp- it's definitely improving. Yeah. I mean, things are much improved in the UK. Um, places like India, maybe less so. But that's the nature of the world at the moment. We can only, you know, keep our fingers crossed. Yeah, yeah. So, Al, I, w- I was, like, contemplating our last podcast, and I really enjoyed doing the sections on our favourite games and genres. <laughs> yeah. But I, my, my feeling on that is, was it's there's just too much of it you know there's too many games we've got too much of a history with these games and uh, different platforms that really trying to fit that into one podcast is not impossible so i was thinking that maybe at a later date we could basically just drill in and basically get specific you know maybe kind of just talk about you know pick a genre you know pick a genre like a like a shooter or first person shooter or platform genre and just kind of like get into the details of that or pick a specific platform <laughs> and really talk about the whys really you know yeah yeah why the games you know why the game that particular platform that sort of thing and another um item to maybe kind of consider is maybe maybe some um corrections and omissions <laughs> i do find that sometimes you know when the heat of battle or the conversation that we've um, we've given not an entirely accurate piece of information you know, <laughs> and maybe that needs to be acknowledged at a later mm-hmm. date. And you know, to, to say, look, hold, let's hold our hands up and say, okay, that wasn't completely accurate. You know, what we meant was this, or you know, the the piece of information we we were we were given should have said this. And I yeah. think that yeah. might be interesting to do. Yeah, we should. Yeah, definitely. Okay, so without further ado, let's move on to our first topic. Hmm.
So what do we want to talk about right now? Well, Computex um, 2021 has just, I think, started. It feels like we're in the midst of that. I think the keynotes are being given by um, some of the, I'd call them the big three, AMD, yep. NVIDIA, and Intel. And this is a first for me. And it's a first because I'm probably going to end up saying, well, who who won, who won Computex 2021? <laughs> and usually, yep. you know, that nonsense you reserve for E3, really. It's mm -hmm. just this throwaway. But obviously the keynotes were given by the individual companies and I kind of want to go into each kind of like keynote and just basically look at the information we were given, some of the, some of the hot news or lack of hot news, <laughs> I should say, in some cases, yeah. Yeah. And, you know, get into the weeds of that. Let's start off with, let's start off with AMD. Yeah. So just a summary of what AMD, you know, delivered in their keynote. First point. They talked about APUs that were going out for the um, the DIY market based on Zen 3 with integrated Vega graphics, but with a, a quite a massive 2 gigahertz clock. They also talked about 6000 series laptop graphics, 6800M, 6700M and 6600M. Yeah, 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 yeah. They talked about... AMD Advantage laptops. And, you know, I did say, I think in a previous podcast, that it would get interesting once we got AMD graphics with AMD C CPUs. Yeah. And it has. Um, they also basically outed FSR. Yeah, yeah. Their alternative, I'm not going to call it, um, you know, a direct like-for-like -like competitor, but certainly their alternative to uh, DLSS. Yeah. And actually that basically going to be available on the 22nd of June. So in my view, a lot sooner than I thought it was going to be based on you know other interviews I kind of had heard. Mm. Interestingly, works with a breadth of graphics cards, not just AMD graphics cards. Yeah. And yeah. last but certainly not least, Vcash, which I think is V for vertical. It's this um, basically 3D stacking technology packaging technology and basically they've got prototypes running based on the latest kind of Ryzen chips. Yeah. Yeah. That looked, you know, certainly very, very impressive. Let's get, let's get into this. I mean, mm. APU wise, I don't think there's a really a lot to talk about here. I think these APUs were already with the OEMs and the, the, the pre-built. Great that they're available for the DIY market. Yeah. Certainly good considering the market as it stands where it's more or less impossible to get a, a decent graphics card for a fair price yeah uh, likewise yeah. for the cpus so that's out the way it becomes interesting is finally we've got these 6000 series laptop graphics these rdna laptop <laughs> graphics chips yeah 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 and i think that's that's where it's going to get interesting connected to that amd advantage laptops yeah yeah which yeah. I think really allows some of these laptops to behave very much like the new generation of consoles with Smart yeah. Shift and SAM and all AMD parts. It's not quite an APU, but you know, with those bells and whistles, it's kind of it's kind of behaving <laughs> like an APU. I don't know what you think about that. You know, yeah, Al. and I think we could I think we could see it right. I think that was um, kind of some of our predictions before. It is definitely good to see the. Uh, I think I've already started seeing some of the reviews of the you know 6800M and its its dominance already on what it's outputting is 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 amazing. 
yeah, it, it just makes a lot of sense. You know, all the work that they've done for for Sony uh, and for Microsoft on the you know, on those consoles, you know, it makes sense to take advantage of you know uh, some of the technologies they built into it, you know, and then package it up as a uh, yeah, as part of a laptop. Yeah, it's you know it basically um, what would you call it cross fertilization of the you know different mm. kind of like product stacks and whatnot, right? So, I, I mean, what's interesting about this is the AMD Advantage tag they they have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As well as saying, yep, we're going to have an AMD CPU, AMD GPU. They also, you know, I, I don't know, would you call it almost a spec, an AMD spec or minimal acceptable standard for a laptop with, mm. a, you know, I guess an AMD Advantage badge on it? Yeah. You've got to have the AMD parts, obviously. Uh, you've got to have the smart access memory. Yeah. You've got to have smart shift. They've even gone as far as temperatures actually <laughs> the the WASD portion of the keyboard they've spec'd out as being 40 degrees Celsius at maximum mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. the heat of the keyboard that you're playing with <laughs> the screen is uh, I, I think it was 165 yeah hertz yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. 300 nits with um, really good color you know reproduction and what else did they kind of uh, call out? Battery life as well. Yeah. yeah. Yep, 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 yep. The Zeus laptop badge with MD Advantage has 11 hours of yeah. battery life. And it's the, actually the same one you have, Al. Yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly. It's the, they're going to release the G15, I think, first. Mm, and correct, it looks, correct. it's a compelling, it's a compelling package. And yeah, I mean, yeah, exactly. I mean, AMD already had, you know, the sort of, um, the smaller form factor chips already, you could see it was pulling ahead in terms of efficiencies. And if it can pull less power and then resultantly better you know, battery life and the heat output, you know, that is perfect for what a laptop needs, right? In that small form factor. It felt like it was an inevitable thing based on what was happening. Um, we just needed to see the results of, you know, what the, um, the, the AMD graphics cards could actually do on a mobile uh, setup. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's going to be an interesting remainder of the year for kind of AMD laptops. Yeah. I'm hoping there's going to be a bigger uptake of maybe mm. kind of AMD advantage. Yeah. When it's all said and done, the market is still, I would say, varying towards Intel and NVIDIA configurations rather than AMD CPUs paired with another with a different sort of GPUs or obviously in this case, all AMD. Yeah. You'd like to see the numbers ramp up from that perspective. And I've kind of also heard they're kind of priced quite competitively they're quite good. I think I've seen a few pre-orders for the 6,800 one, which is quite pricey. But then I think the 6,800 is competing with the 3080. So actually, when you look at it in in that light, you know, it's very competitively priced. But again, I suspect AMD are selling the, the more pricier ones first, whilst they can, you know, with the market being as strangled as it is, then, you know, then the 6,700M, 6,600M, etc. Once those ones roll out, I'm sure there'll be, um, there'll be, a, there'll be a kind of a... Um, a good rush for for those sorts of good value uh, kind of gaming laptops. And, and what have you have you observed any of the benchmarks? Have there been any kind of benchmarks that? Come uh, out? Yeah, I've looked at the six hundred, the, the six thousand eight hundred M. I think that's the only ones that are out there, and that is pushing slightly above, if not very similar to the thirty eighty on a on a mobile form factor. So yeah, then it, then it obviously beats the thirty seventy yeah, uh, quite it's, easily. It's very it's very comparable. Mm. It's very comparable. All good stuff. Yeah, very good, very good showing from from AMD at Computex. Yeah. Now moving on 
to FSR. Mm. Fidelity Super Resolution. Yeah. Obviously, it's coming out June twenty second. It's <laughs> open, which yep. means obviously it works even on Nvidia GPUs as well as older AMD GPUs. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. They're doing this for for PC first, with a view of doing it for console later. Yeah. But you know, finally out. Finally, DLSS has some competition. Yeah. Obviously, not a lot of information other than the marketing spiel. Mm. We know it's not machine learning. So, you know, you're not training any kind of like, you know, model. You're not working on kind of tentacles or inference or anything along those lines. Yeah, yeah. It's almost like post-processing or Mm. basically comes at the tail end of the actual uh, graphics pipeline. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, it has certain modes of operation. So, you know, you've got ultra quality settings or performance settings. And I think there's about five or so, five or six settings uh, you can choose from. But at the moment, no real indicators on the level of let's say image quality you can achieve mm-hmm. however in terms of pure performance and frame rate yeah you know it, it looks impressive the numbers look impressive and i think there was one one demo they showed where i think it was a gtx an nvidia gtx 1060 mm-hmm. so i think it's that graphics card that was at the top of the steam survey yeah yeah, yeah. we spoke upon this yeah, 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 yeah. And we yeah. looked at the Steam survey uh, one podcast, and they had FSR running on that. I think yeah. for Godfall, mm-hmm. without FSR, it was sub 30, 27, yeah. 26 frames a second. Yeah. With FSR, it was above 30. I yeah. think 35 frames a second, something along those lines. Mm-hmm. So they were getting a significant, you know, percentage uplift by introducing FSR. Obviously the the money shot was that it worked on NVIDIA, <laughs> an NVIDIA GPU, hence it's open. Yeah. 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 So a lot, a lot of people theorizing is that, you know, they may not be able to compete with uh, DLSS in terms of quality, outright quality. Yeah. How they do hope to compete is just basically uptake. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you know what? Machine learning, what is that? You have to train your model, whatever it is. And then only after that can you basically run it along on the graphics on the GPU using those tentacles for inference and whatever else. So, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. it's quite a substantial piece of work. Yeah, so the interesting thing will be what will happen with things like, you know, I'm looking forward to being able to utilize it as well, kind of late in the June. So with my my London setup is with a, you know, the 5,700 XT. So it'd be interesting to see how much gains I can get off that as well. And, you know, reducing, um, you know, some of the, the specs on, uh, on some of the other games that I'm playing. So yeah, looking forward to testing that. And I'm wondering if we could do something interesting, like, you know, whether you could use DLSS as well as, you know, FSR and see what, <laughs> what strange oh, output would that give you? <laughs> that would be an interesting kind of science experiment. I'll give you that. I don't know what it would, might do to the image, but I mean, like, it might be a kind of interesting science experiment. Yeah, because actually, I don't know how that would work. Yeah, because unless you feed the output of one into the other, it would feel like it doesn't, it's like independent then. It just wouldn't. <laughs> You imagine the output would be, okay, we'll apply DLSS and then we'll apply kind of FSR. And if FSR is at the tail end of the, the graphics <laughs> pipeline, well, okay, yeah. the image looks exactly like the DLSS one. <laughs> no change. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll leave that to uh, Digital Foundry yeah. to uh, play with. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> so that, that's actually all good. So, you know, it's something, we, you know, we all kind of look forward to. Yeah. Un- under normal circumstances... 
the FSR announcement would have been the showstopper. Yeah. But uh, Lisa yeah. Sue's actual gotcha moment, her, you know, what, what I'll call it is, is like that Apple moment where Steve Jobs used to say that one last thing or, you know, whatever it was, right? <laughs> yeah. Was actually this Vcash thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, they call it uh, X3D packaging or the X3D package. And, you know, packaging is, if it, it's like chiplets. It's mm-hmm. like multi-chip modules. Yeah. Yeah. It's like what they did with uh, HBM2 memory, you know, mm-hmm. the stacking. So yeah. what they've actually done here, they've taken a, I think it was a Ryzen 5900X. Yeah. And they stacked, I think it was 64 megabytes of SRAM mm-hmm. on top of the existing cache. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that that meant you got 96 megabytes of cache in total. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, they did that through this technique using TSVs or uh, through silicon vias. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. So literally, you're just stacking a, an additional piece of cache. You're using these uh, TSVs to bond it, and I think to yeah. a degree they they're interconnects and they also power the extra stacked piece of SRAM. Yeah. I vaguely understand it. I'm no expert, but that's that's what I got mm-hmm. from the conversations. Yeah. 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 And in effect. That's all that's really changed. Not mm-hmm. insignificant, obviously. What it sounded like to me, it was very plug and play. Mm-hmm. You wouldn't need to necessarily cold for it, let's say. Mm-hmm. And they were getting it anywhere between 4 to 25% performance increases for games. Mm-hmm. This you'll like. Monster Hunter World was the game they got a 25% increase in. Yeah. For frame rates, yeah. I'm talking, obviously. Yeah. Yeah. Which gets me thinking that instead of let's say a um, a kind of Ryzen 3 plus, whatever mm-hmm. they want to call it, yeah, with, you know, bumped up kind of clock speeds or, you know, better bin chips. They could just release this uh, a version of the existing chips basically with some of this uh, V-cache stacked on top of it. Yeah, yeah. And I think that would be a bit more meaningful and they could use do this. And Lisa Sue already had said they're ready to go into production mm-hmm. by the end of the year. Mm. So yeah. by her saying that, that means we are going into production at the end of the year. <laughs> That's what she's yeah. kind of saying, right? Which kind of means to me, they already had the prototype running. And by the way, the, the demos they were showing were running on, on a 5900X yeah. with and without the extra cash stacked. That kind of tells me that they're, they're going to produce a chip by the end of the year to potentially basically go up against something like Alder Lake. Yeah. I think really geared towards gaming because not everything is going to benefit from this extra cash. Uh, I've heard that maybe video encoding might. Mm-hmm. Gaming obviously will, but not yeah. everything. Yeah. And, um, you know, it's, it just sounded to me that's the route they're going. The negative part of this is people are saying that they might push out Zen 4. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, you know, that that's obviously the, the downside of it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I, I, did I say Ryzen 3? I think I did use I think you Ryzen, did say 3. Ryzen 3. Yeah. I meant Zen 3. Yeah. Zen 3 and Zen 3 Plus. Yeah. Yeah, so just to correct myself there. Yeah. So you know, that for me was the biggest piece of news. Yeah. The just one more thing moment I really want to say <laughs> that Lisa, Lisa Sue kind of delivered, which is very kind of, you know, Apple-esque. But I guess they all do it, you know, that way. Yeah, well, they've got an advantage and, you know, if they can keep dropping these extra moments and stuff, you know, surprises... Them, yeah, they then, just yeah. keep pushing it out, don't they? I mean, they, they just keep pushing it out. <laughs> just when you think, yeah, they're, they're on the back foot now. Finally, Intel 
or whoever else is basically catching up, they just push yeah. this one extra little nugget out there. <laughs> you know, it's kind of like, I'll just take my white glove off and I'll basically slap you across the face with it. <laughs> <laughs> and then, you know, like, that, it's that sort of moment, you know what I mean? Like, uh, wake up, yeah. we're not going anywhere. But anyway, en- enough AMD love, but that was exciting. <laughs> so let's move on from AMD. Let's, let's talk about NVIDIA. Yeah. So NVIDIA have obviously now released their LHR cards, mm-hmm. the low hash rate cards, yeah? Yeah, yeah. Which apparently you can't hack by just updating the BIOS. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. so thank God they learned something. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. What was interesting is you actually can't tell whether you have got an LHR <laughs> unless you open up the card mm-hmm. or the you know, the system or utility software that typically tell you or give you information around the yeah. hardware is yeah. it gets updated. Mm-hmm. It does not appear on the box or anything along those lines. Yeah. Yeah. But at least they've in a way kept to their promise. Yeah. 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 But I hear it's it's uh, really useful to combat uh, Ethereum, you know, like mine, mining more than well, anything else. I, I don't know. I think all this all this stuff now putting it in place, it doesn't matter. That whole market's crashed anyway. You know, I don't Yeah. <laughs> that's the irony of it all. <laughs> I mean, like, the, uh, the, it's the actually via- kind of like yeah. going through the cycle, isn't it? Yeah, the viability of doing the mining I yeah, I've, I've not rechecked. But I'd imagine with the drop and I you know, I don't I've seen how far the I've not kept up to it maybe in the last week or so, but you know, even if you looked at the the, the amounts that it dropped a good, you know, 20 40 50 percent you know it kept it kept dropping day on day or, or when i was looking but you know whether it's still cost viable to do the mining versus your cpu your, your gpu cost um plus all the electricity cost that you need to actually go and do it so yeah i don't know i don't know if anyone's reassessed it yet but at some point you know maybe there's gonna be a flood of um gpus on the market onto ebay <laughs> <laughs> that's gonna happen there's no doubt about that <laughs> I mean there is a flood there is a flood of uh, GPUs on, on eBay but it's not because of a mining crash <laughs> yeah yeah so you know that that was one piece of news um, moving on for that I mean in terms of the gaming and PC enthusiast kind of world it's really that the RTX 3080 Ti mm. is coming or come and also, obviously, the RTX uh, 3070 Ti. Yeah. Let's just talk briefly about the um, the specs. So, 3080 Ti, 12 gigabytes of 6x RAM, you know, GDDR6x, versus 24 gigabytes for the 3090. Mm-hmm. I understand it's very close to performance to a 3090. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Very, very close. Yeah. But just less less VRAM. Uh, in terms of MSRP, 3080 Ti. 1200 yeah 3090 1500 yeah obviously msrp doesn't mean a lot Mm -hmm. but you know if the world was in a better place you're talking about a delta of 300 yeah yeah so for me looking at the comparison between the ampere graphics cards that nvidia put out that's not bad value in reality Mm -hmm. you just you know look at it objectively yeah 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 however if you're not (laughs) (laughs) yeah and you basically think, a lo- you look at the history of the, all of this, you think, okay, 3080 Ti, 1200. Yeah, that's how much I've got to, got to drop for that. Yeah. 2080 Ti, man, that was that was a thousand. And that was difficult to swallow. Yeah. The 1080 Ti, 
that was 700. Yeah. They've almost doubled it. <laughs> yep. Now, the, the 3070 Ti, that is going to be retailing for around about 600. Mm-hmm. Okay. It's almost as fast... Am I right in saying it's almost as fast as a as a thirty eighty? I think in some in some benches it's almost yeah, as probably. fast as a thirty eighty. Yeah. Eight gigabytes of RAM, and I think it's six X as well. Mm-hmm. Thirty seventy is five hundred, also with eight gigabytes of RAM. But I think a slow the slower RAM, the standard uh, GDDR six. Yeah. So in my view, that's an interesting card. Mm-hmm. That's an interesting card. If it gets close to a thirty eighty. That's obviously gonna be the card to get, in yeah. my view. Yeah. You know? But as far as as far as uh, gaming and PC enthusiast <laughs> news, that's all that Nvidia delivered. There yep. wasn't much else. And getting onto Intel, mm. well, not much to speak of. Yeah. A couple of new CPU SKUs. Yeah. <laughs> no DG2 graphics details. Bottom of the pole. How boring. <laughs> <laughs> so. Based on that, you you know you basically ask the question. Well, who won Computex 2021? <laughs> and I, I I didn't know that such a kind of a competition even existed, right? <laughs> you know, if 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 one did, right? Yeah. yeah, I think AMD kind of knocked you know knocked it out of the you know the stratosphere in comparison to everybody else. Yeah, I think I think it was definitely an AMD easy one for for the yeah, sure. it was it was easy. And to be honest, I mean the one thing they actually did is they had a lot of news to deliver. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Whereas NVIDIA... I mean, they had a segment, I think, that was uh, really geared towards Enterprise. But really, yeah. they didn't have much to say apart from the, the, the TI. Yeah. And, e- and even then, the TIs, you know, from what I could see on reviews and stuff, it wasn't getting well re- received. Again, maybe, again, the pricing. Uh, you know, it's, it's, it's pricing. gap. It's the gap between the... 3080 to 3090 you know the 3090 was a card that you don't really need then you know the question becomes you know should you do you need a 3080 ti yeah well if you if you if you could imagine that if the if the 3090 was priced at between 1200 to 1300 Mm. and the 3080 ti came in around about 900 to 1000 yeah i mean don't get me wrong that's still a staggering amount of money to pay for a gpu Mm. yeah but that would have you know, that would have been a bit more palatable. Yeah, and, and I guess it probably it's a bit early days still anyway. But you know what I always like to see is those fra- you know cost per frame. Um, yeah, and I think hands down thirty seventy was the leader on the on the previous kind of setups. So whether the thirty seventy Ti takes takes that new crown or not, or whether it still saves the thirty seventy, is still TBC. I think well, until all the um, the reviews have kind of come through. Um, but I, you know, I think they just expect the 3080 Ti to not be anywhere near um, those sorts of levels that they had on the other ones. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the 3070 Ti is about going to be about what 20% more, you know, uh, more expensive. Mm. Yeah, so that the, means the, it needs to at least 3070. Yeah. yeah, it needs to output at least 20 20% more frames, or at least in terms of um, speed across a number of games. And if it can do that, then maybe it will take the crown. Uh, yeah, I mean, it will, will it really depend? Yeah, will it is the question. I mean, the thing is, it, it, again, the, the the pricing would have been a bit more palatable had, let's say, the thirty seventy come in with twelve gig- gigabytes of memory. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Then probably would have been a bit more. I don't know. Probably would have been a bit more useful as a as a creator card as well. Yeah. And then thirty eighty Ti sixteen gigabytes. 
but I, I think the I think the six X memory they have is either expensive and I also hear quite power hungry. Mm. So mm. you know, I guess there are limitations around that to what they can yeah. do with it. Yeah, it is what it is. I mean, it's it's good these cards are out there that we can stop speculating whether there's going to be a, a new series of Ti or Ti, you know, graphics GPUs and whether you know the RTX kind of like Ampere range is going to get a refresh. There yeah. it is. Here's your refresh, and and just move on from that. Yeah, indeed. But somehow I don't think I'm going to be able to get a a 3080 Ti that fits in my <laughs> RTX case though. I mean, I'm just I'm just assuming it's a bit too power hungry and it's a bit too kind of like uh it's a bit too much of a kind of a heat generator. But you know, let's see. Yeah, yeah. Okay, Al. So that's Computex done. AMD, clear winners. You know, hooray for the AMD fanboys. You know, <laughs> you know, T Team Red, one nil, <laughs> as it were. <laughs> right. Uh, so let's let's move on to our next uh, next topic. So Al, I think on the next topic, what we should discuss is the games that we are looking forward to in 2021. Mm. Let's start with you. Let's see. You know, what are you? What are you most looking forward to? What yeah. releases? And in fact, one's already come out. The um, Mass Effect, the sort of legendary edition, the whole remaster, um, has only just recently come out. Um, I've not purchased it yet, but I look forward to um, to playing that. And the reviews have been really good on it. I think Mass Effect 1 has had a nice a nice uplift. The UI's had a uplift. A number of changes has been quite nice to it. Similarly with Mass Effect 2. Uh, and then 3 actually, they've not actually made that many changes, but 3 was already a much newer game in comparison to the other one. So Mass Effect, sort of legendary edition. Yeah, looking forward to, to, to playing that one and getting into it. Yeah, I'm, cons I'm considering that, Al. I'm, I've actually got the Mass Effect trilogy basically mm. on Xbox 360. Yeah, 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 yeah. But I, I've only ever dabbled in, I think, the first one. Yeah, yeah. I mean, a couple of these games are still in the cellophane. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, you know, it might be a, a good time to basically get... Obviously, there's a digital version, so I'll do that. And just to, you know, re-familiarise re myself with, with yeah. it. Yeah. I mean, I just enjoyed it so much on the original. And, you know, I do... It's one of those I do go back to playing every so often. So um, having it kind of uplifted again you know would be great so i will be picking it up but just not sure exactly when then i think my probably my next most anticipated one would be the diablo 2 remaster um when that comes through as well that one i'm really looking forward to in the past i've sank so many hours into it that um you know i, I would actually i would i will really enjoy playing that again uh, so i'm looking forward to diablo 2 i think i'm with you on this one i mean i i did i did dabble again with uh, d2 but mm -hmm. I, I didn't sink the kind of hours you did into it you know, for me, it, yeah. it just looked really, really compelling mm. and interesting. Uh, you know, I, li I like Blizzard games, yeah. let's be honest. I just wonder how I would feel about D2 game. Because, you know, D2, I don't think they've really changed the mechanics too much. Yeah. It's yeah. still D2 underneath, you know. <laughs> you know, they've got to put new shiny clothes on top of it, but it's it's still D2, right? Mm -hmm. And having played D3 as much as I have, going back to D2, I, I mean, I'm wondering, will I enjoy it? You know, because I'll have a certain expectation, not remembering much about D two. Then I'll play it and I'll think, "Oh, this is this is not what I expected." I just wonder if that's going to happen. I, I, yeah, I think for me, I'm fully expecting it to be like it was before, and because I enjoyed it so much, 
I'm sure I'll be fine with it. It's just, it would be a rush for me to get to, you know, get my sorceress up to level 90 or whatever it is. I think it's 90. I think they actually, oh yes, I remember now. They, they used to have a, a curve to get to 100. But basically it was exponential between 90 to 100 in terms of your <laughs> levels. So you'd almost, it's almost impossible to get to level 100. But you could if you spent enough time grinding all the way through um, and not dying too much. Um, so, um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you would be able to do that through that. So, yeah, I'll be rushing a character uh, quickly. And, and then rushing the character is purely just to, to, to grind bosses uh, and pick up loot as quickly as you can. So, um, yeah, I'm looking forward to, to doing a bit of that. Oh, next next one I think is, is probably Horizon 2. You know, I think that will be that will probably be the game to to push me to get a PS5, I think as soon as I see that and when it's out, that would really push me to try and look for you know sourcing a PS5. Did you actually uh, watch the 4K video feed? Yeah. Of that? yeah, 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 yeah. I did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a stunning, stunning, stunning game. Yeah, yeah. That game looked absolutely jaw-dropping and stunning. Yeah, yeah. And obviously, you know, we've got to talk about this later. But what the f- hell is everybody thinking? <laughs> Who cares if it's cross-gen? What are you thinking? <laughs> Look at it. Yeah, yeah. It looks amazing. <laughs> what, are you, what, 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 are you, what are you hoping to happen? Uh, yeah, the danger with you know, cross, cross-genning it back as well, maybe... I don't know, as long as it doesn't impact and delay the, you know, the PS5 version too much or impact, you know, it, it's, it's kind of like... You know, you, you don't want it to do like a Crisis 1 to Crisis 2 where it has to downscale so much that it messes up, you know, even even how good it should look. So it's one of those sorts of things that as long as it doesn't impact the PlayStation 5 version and how amazing it looks already, then great. Yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll go into a bit more detail about that later, mm-hmm. Al, but mm-hmm. I've got to say, I mean, if you look at the, the, the video yeah. feed, especially the 4K one... Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not sure that it's graphically had any sort of effect whatsoever on the PlayStation 5 version. I mean, like, you know, I'm just thinking, what's the problem here? Mm-hmm. So what if it's cross-gen? Look at the game. Look at the game. Yep. It looks amazing. Yep. Yep. Yeah? Yep. It looks amazing. So, you know, yeah, I'm, 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 in, I'm in agreement. I think Horizon 2 is cross-gen or, or not, that looks... Uh, an amazing game and something that I'm really looking forward to this yeah. uh, this year. Yeah, and, th- and another game. I mean, there's other ones like I don't know if Diablo Four is this year. I, I you know I doubt it's this year. Um, and then maybe I would say there's a, there's a Warhammer game that I'm really looking at called um, Battle Sector. Um, that I think is out in July as well, which looks interesting. Um, so I'm keeping my eye on that one. I've not heard of that. I have to look it up now. What kind of game is it? It's turn turn based, um, but you know Warhammer Forty okay. um, K. It looks like it's a campaign mode. I've not seen if it's got a, a kind of an online mode, but looks looks pretty good. Yeah, I've got so many Warhammer Forty K games that I've not <laughs> even played. It's unbelievable. <laughs> I have to look that one up. Mm. Yeah, those are my ones. Have you, have you got any other ones, Joe? Before we get onto that, I see you've got Overwatch too. Um, is that coming out this year? Yeah, I wasn't sure. It's due, but I'm not sure exactly when. Um, there's lots of kind of trailers and other things for it. Uh, let me just check. When is it due? Again, with, with Overwatch and Overwatch 2, I wasn't too keen after Overwatch 1 for quite some time. Is there a release date? 
I don't think there is. It says launching 2021, <laughs> I think. <laughs> Interesting. Oh, no, no, hang on, no. It says it doesn't include Overwatch 2 launching in 2021. So it's probably okay, not okay. this year. Probably not this year. Which is no surprise, really. Yeah, but they've got, you know, character renders, trailers, and all sorts of stuff already ready for it. So they know what they're doing with it. Maybe they're just giving a bit of space for um for Diablo. Yeah, maybe. there is that, isn't there? I mean, like, you know, devs and publishers tend to space out game releases to to give kind of. I mean, look, it's about competition and what pe- in, and really they're they're competing for people's time. Yep. That that's the really kind of decisions they've got to got to make really. Yeah. As per me, let's get that out of the way. Horizon Two, absolutely looking forward to that. Horizon One, I think, amazing last gen game. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. And you know the last gen really, you know, it was kind of astounding that they actually got that out of a PS, you know, um, a PS4 mm. base end kind of pro. Yeah. Really looking forward to, to Diablo 2 because, you know, I just kind of, I just kind of want to resample, you know, D2 and just Diablo in general because I I don't really think Diablo 4 is coming out this year, that's for sure. Mm. Mm. Really looking forward to Ratchet and Clank. Mm. Mm. Because I firmly believe that will be a game that really kind of almost shows off your PS5. Yeah. 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 Really shows off your PS5, and you know that's not a cross-gen game. <laughs> and it'll be you know again that's also going to be interesting. You'll have Horizon 2. You'll have Ratchet. You know you you're going to have a comparison. Yeah. You know. Yeah. 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 If if Rift Apart is so so much better in terms of the gameplay design, the graphics fidelity, the the 3D audio, the control, whatever it may be, right? Yeah, yeah. Then you know we've got a lot lot to look forward to because I tell you, Horizon Two just looked amazing. <laughs> yeah, you know. Yeah. If somehow a Rift Apart trumps that, well, we're in for a bit of a treat, aren't we? <laughs> I am hoping that Halo Infinite does come out this year. Yeah. And I am hoping that it improves significantly. Based on what I'd seen before, yeah, it 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 needs to do something right for for the Xbox crowd. That's what yeah. it needs to do. Because that would be my cue in getting myself a Series X. Yeah, maybe getting a contract and you know whatever else you know yeah, for yeah. Games Pass, getting a Series X as part of that contract if they're still doing that. <laughs> and I, I honestly also think that Halo in a open and I think this is what they were aiming for more of an open world sort of scenario yeah could work yeah it could work because I do remember the first Halo and I just remember saying these maps these levels are so expansive yeah and I'm thinking it's it's a game that might lend itself to that yeah but let's see I mean I'm hoping that's going to be good you know what else am I looking forward to I mean Returnal's out Mm. and I I will I will try and get that but I, I don't know that I'm gonna go out my way to do it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, one game that I really did like the look of was a uh, Kena Bridge of Spirits. Mm-hmm. It's an indie game, and it's actually um, priced at I think about thirty-two thirty-two pounds. Right. So it's you know it's not full price, but it's it's an indie game. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. I'm quite looking forward to that. And there was uh, Rift Breaker. Mm-hmm. I say it's a PC game. It's um it looked like a a, a mixture of RTS base building plus mm-hmm. tower defense. Okay. And it's yeah. and it's, it's a day one uh, game pass mm-hmm. game mm-hmm. as well. 
So again, that might be my cue in getting kind of paying mm-hmm. for my Game Pass subscription and kind of ma- making use of that. Yeah. So I yeah. think for this year, that's that's really what I'm looking you know looking forward to. Bring on Horizon, you know, bring on Ratchet and Clank, you know, Diablo 2, Rift Breaker. <laughs> yeah. And if they can basically get Halo Infinite out this year, I might get myself an Xbox Series X. Yeah. You know, because of that. You know? yeah, yeah. And I'm yeah. hoping that's going to be good. Because I think Halo needs a bit of a boost. Yeah. It's the granddaddy of console shooters. Yeah. That is a game that made console shooters good. <laughs> like, yeah, it'd be interesting how it, Halo Infinite evolves and whether it's more open world than, say, you know, if you were to, if you were to look at what it's competing against, you know, it, it would feel like it's, it's against Destiny. You would feel like it's against that sort of thing, where it's kind of a little bit RPG, a little bit kind of open world, and a bit more kind of the service kind of angle around it. Yeah. Maybe they're going after those guys. But I'm, I'm hoping it's much more MMO-like. Um, but um, I'll wait to see more details of it. You know, well, I, I, I don't even have those ambitions for it. Mm-hmm. I think if it, if it tries to um, go after something like Destiny, Warframe, or anything along those lines, yeah, yeah. it's going to massively fail. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. I think, first iteration of Halo Infinite, please just make it good. Make it look good. <laughs> Make it play really yeah. well the way we remember Halo playing, you know? Great gunplay, yeah? By all means, try and give it this kind of open world, you know, take, this slant. But don't think for one second that you're going to release this thing and you're going to be able to take on something like Destiny. You know how I feel about Destiny, right? I mean, <laughs> but the, 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 rea- yeah. the reality is, right, no matter what you say about Destiny, it's Destiny and it's super popular. Mm-hmm. And there's no two yeah. ways about it. No matter no matter what bunch you try and do to it, to kind of aggravate the, the, the community, <laughs> right? It you know it yeah. it, it goes on. Warhammer. Mm-hmm. I mean, sorry, Warframe. Forget about it. Yeah. Just make it a good Halo game. You know, <laughs> all the things that made Halo great. Put it into this game. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of smart people kind of working. You know, at you know, at the game studio building it, and at Microsoft, they you know, come on. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's really what I'm looking forward to, you know, to this year. Yeah, you know, let, let's see what happens. I mean, I've, I've got high expectations for for Horizon, yeah. Ratchet, you know, all of those guys. Halo, obviously, I'm, I'm a little bit dubious on, but I'm hoping. Yeah, I'll say I was gonna say we just you know it's before the there's always there's always the kind of rush before Christmas of getting releases out for you know for game of yeah, the year and stuff. So exactly, um, no doubt there'll be a few special uh, kind of games kind of coming out you know from the side. Uh, that kind of feeds into it as well. Yeah, and once once E3 happens, I think it's in a, mm. a week or and a half. Then, you know, we might get a, yeah. you know, we we might get more information. There might be more kind of like must play games coming out. Yeah, we we know we're not going to get God of War this year. Yeah, yeah. But you know, there there'll be other games. I'm hoping, you know, I'm just hoping to get to be excited. Maybe, maybe that that rumored Metal Gear Solid remake comes out <laughs> this year. You know, that, imagine that would be. If, amazing. Yeah, if that pops out, yeah, that would be amazing. And and that's also a, a PS5 only. <laughs> well, the rumours say it's a PS5 only. Well, that's reality, different story. <laughs> yep. Okay, Al, with that said, time to move away from, you know, our most anticipated games to the next topic.
So Al, what we want to talk about next is Epic Visa, this ongoing mm. antitrust court case. <laughs> yep, yep. And as people might know, antitrust laws are regulations to encourage competition. I mean, that's the way to, fi- yep. to, to think about it. And what's happening right now is that, for one thing, Fortnite is not on the App Store. So obviously <laughs> Apple have taken that off. Yep, yep. And Epic really accuses... Apple of monopolistic and anti-competitive behavior Mm. okay and you know let's be honest the key complaint is around that 30% commission on all you know payments you know through the app store based on any kind of transaction made on the app store yeah and I think in addition to that really the inability to take direct payments yeah so you couldn't basically if you if a piece of software is on the Apple app store you can't actually mm. make any sort of um, direct payment to Epic through the yeah. app itself. And what's interesting is the judge who was assigned to the case, and Yvonne Gonzalez Rogers, actually mm-hmm. warned that given Epic's desire to open up the iOS ecosystem to other stores yeah. of in effect, yeah, mm-hmm. this could have kind of serious ramifications for platforms such mm. as PlayStation, Xbox, and Nintendo. So it's a very kind of broad you know wide sweeping case and issue (laughs) and really the analogy that I make to anybody that follows um, football or European football soccer is the Bosman ruling yeah Mm. because once that happened it had serious implications for the actual player transfer market Yeah. yeah so it's obviously you know nothing to be ignored yeah definitely but you know all sorts of shenanigans have happened even to the point of like certain, you know, parties trying to define what a game is. Yeah, <laughs> you know, obviously sounds a little bit ridiculous, but I guess you know the law system is based on definition and context and you know all of that sort of thing. And and really, even Tim Sweeney arguing that Fortnite is actually not really a game; it's a yeah. metaverse. Yeah, <laughs> which is kind of a, a yeah. virtual reality space where users can interact or kind of generate content as much as I understand. It's a platform, basically. It's a platform. Yeah. Yeah. Basically, throughout the whole case, you know, we've had really juicy bits of information come out, really around Epic, Sony, Xbox, Apple. Yeah. So, I mean, just getting into this, Yeah. Epic had paid $146 million to 2K, Borderlands 3, PC exclusivity for <laughs> six months. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I mean, Tim Sweeney has said that Epic Game Store is hundreds of millions of dollars away, hundreds of millions of dollars away from being profitable. And it probably won't yeah. be profitable, you know, for three to four years. Yeah. 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 Fortnite had generated $9 billion in two years. And Epic had also pushed Xbox to drop subscriptions for multiplayer. Mm-hmm. In effect, mm-hmm. remove the requirement for uh, Xbox Live Gold subscription for free-to-play multiplayer games, yeah? Yeah. Epic had gone to Sony and had proposed to pay Sony 200 million to get multiple PlayStation exclusives. Didn't really say what PlayStation exclusives, and obviously PlayStation exclusives for the PC. We're not talking about consoles here. Yeah, 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 yeah. Epic had also tried to secure a similar deal with Microsoft. That was turned down due to concerns over competition between Xbox Games Pass and obviously the Epic Store on PC. 
and Matthew Weisinger, Epic's marketing director, had also claimed that, that mobile represents the biggest growth opportunity for Fortnite. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Which isn't, you know, another reason why this dispute with Apple happening. Yeah. On Sony's side, Sony would only allow cross-play functionality between Fortnite players on PS4 if it could charge Epic for additional royalty to offset a reduction in revenue. Mm-hmm. And as we know, Sony has invested $450 million into Epic. And you have to wonder yeah. why. You have to wonder why. <laughs> yeah. Now, moving on to Xbox. Laurie writes, Microsoft's VP for gaming, media entertainment, confirmed that Microsoft does not and has never made profit from sales of its consoles. I'm assuming mm-hmm. the hardware. Yeah. And that the revenue from subscriptions and commissions from digital sales which is a 30% cut similar to Apple's, offsets mm-hmm. this. Yeah. Microsoft's you know, commission on PC was also brought down from 30 to 12%, but that's not yet happened on consoles. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Moving on to Apple, 62% of all App Store revenue generated was by games. 62%. <laughs> but Apple doesn't know if the App Store makes a profit, which seems a little bit ludicrous, you know, obviously. Mm-hmm. And in terms of Fortnite, Apple had spent $1 million on marketing Fortnite, but earned in excess of $100 million, yeah, $100 million, you know, dollars through Fortnite. Yeah, yeah. And with the lawsuit that's in motion, 23% of iOS games will be affected by the trial, depending which mm. way it goes, obviously. Yeah. So those are the facts. There's quite a lot of facts. There's quite a lot of, mm. I would say, juicy bits of information basically really highlighting some of the the deals that go on behind the scenes no, no companies basically any kind of knight in shining armor yeah they're, they're all being dragged into this yeah you know, even steam valve although i don't think i think they've refused to to pass the information on so far through a subpoena or something correct but um yeah they've been asked as well on a similar vein as to yeah, what's their charging model? How much they're making yeah. on kind of in in game purchases yeah. and things like that. Yeah, there, um, there ain't no you know I'm holy Dendal moment <laughs> here, right? <laughs> Not at all. Yeah, and I don't know, um, Joe, if you actually know the the kind of the original reason why this kind of kicked off. I mean, what was the original reason? Yeah, so the, so the original reason was again, yes, Fortnite was massively popular, clearly making lots of money on various platforms. Whether it was um, Google Play, whether it was you know, the Apple App Store, whether it was, you know, <laughs> whether it was PlayStation, uh, etc. It was making lots of money regardless on all on all platforms. Um, and what Epic did was, as as they were kind of rolling out their Epic um, Store and other things, was that they they actually enabled the ability to purchase the in-game currency through the Epic Store at a twenty percent discount in comparison to all the other ones because everything else was the same level. Which meant then, obviously, what they would do is they would funnel ten percent back themselves, I guess, through through that particular route of being able to purchase on, on on the own Epic Store. And then, as soon as that happened, basically, Apple and Google pulled pulled Fortnite from it from their stores. And obviously, then that's that's where um, uh, Epic are kind of moving in to say, well, it's anti anti competitive what they've just done there. That's an interesting one, isn't it? I mean, like, mm. so you, you've got your your game your service on a a storefront of sorts mm. but then on your own storefront you're basically undercutting them yeah with the in-game currency which is and, and and if you think about it a free game that you are hosting on 
on iOS on Apple Store, and they're getting nothing <laughs> as a result of you know the the funneling of the cash through a different route. So you might say the in-game currency is almost everything in terms of the revenue, isn't it? <laughs> Maybe yeah, I'm mistaken so it's, it's here, a but. You know, the maybe there is a there is a general thing around actually. What's the? I'm, I mean, I'm sure Apple must be unless they've got a charging model for free to play games, but they should be getting something like user user subscriptions count or something that well, you you, you get charged yeah. back to Epic or something. Yeah, I'm 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 certainly not saying kind of like um, Apple or blameless in all of this. Equally, it doesn't sound like Epic or either. <laughs> you know no, I mean? no, no, exactly. So it's like. There needs to be a fair level of yeah. Okay, you, if it's being hosted on the Apple Store, there needs to be some money that goes towards it yeah. being there and for users of it via the Apple platform. But and if they're cutting them away from the in-game purchases, then then what is that to make it a bit more fair? Well, yeah, I mean, you'd have, have to stump up some sort of uh, upfront tax, wouldn't you, or some sort? Well, yeah, and now that's where exactly was leading me on to Joe was um, obviously with. Um, more recently on the the G7 um, political arena where they've kind of caught up and said that, you know, that they're going ahead with a, a generic global digital tax of 15%. You know, how does that affect things like <laughs> things like these in-game purchases? Because no doubt the, the, you know, the various governments around, you know, around the globe will be taking a 15% cut as well on this stuff now. Or they'll try to. I mean, obviously. Yes, I'll try to. You know, I mean, it, it's it's not it, just because they're saying that that's going to happen doesn't mean it's going to happen. I mean, you know, is that fair? Is that lawful? Yeah. Although it's only fifteen percent of the cuts, right? So it's not um, it's, it's... we're talking about billions, billions of dollars in pounds and euros. I mean, it's, it's that's not a small cut. You know, that's not a small number. You know, it's it's quite interesting. Yeah. I mean, I mean, let's be honest, right? You know, there ain't no force of good in any of this, is there? <laughs> <laughs> no. I'm trying to work out who's who's who, who's the white knight in this relationship here, and I, I don't see one. You know, you know what I mean. No, it's it, it's all capitalism. Yeah, it is. It is. It's, it's 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 pure capitalism. There's no doubt about that. Yeah. I mean, looking at this, thinking about this, the ruling may not come out until maybe mid-August. You know, mm. it's, I, I guess it's that complicated a, a thing. Yeah. It's, it's so impactful that obviously it needs it needs time to. To kind of gestate. I mean, what could happen? Let's say nothing happens. Parking aside, you know, the I think the G7 ruling or whatever it was or yeah. proposal, whatever it was, and its status quo. That means mm-hmm. that um, the service that Apple offer is worth the 30% cut. Well, the access to their ecosystem, the access to their the to the customer base is worth that 30%. That's what status quo would mean to me. I would say status quo to me would mean. Fortnite stays off of Apple and Android, Google Play Store, and Epic continue as is. Mm. So no change on that. That's what I would mm. expect. I generally do not think that Epic actually want that. Yeah, mm. because that way everybody loses. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. They they, they want a ruling that would state that yeah somewhere along the lines of and I expect and this is where I'm thinking is that it needs to be available on the platform you know so an agreement and maybe maybe it's part of the way that they have to sign agreements going forward between the service the, the game provider game publisher versus uh, the platform that it's on but again it's access to those you to that user base because there's so many users on on android on apple mm. which are playing fortnite 
what is this what is the offering around it now is it that the ruling will stipulate that you have to have the in-game purchase has to be equal across all of it i, I don't think they'll do it. i don't think they'll push that mm. but i suspect it will it, it should in in all fairness state that there needs to be something to give an incentive to apple to google to host your game otherwise it doesn't make any sense do you know what i really think is going to happen Mm. What I really think is going to happen is that the 30% cut is going to mm. get reduced for uh -huh. content that people deem as being a platform or a metaverse. Uh -huh. I think ideally that's what Epic would prefer to have. Yeah. Mm. I don't know that they're necessarily looking to absolutely disrupt Apple's business model or Google's business mm -hmm. model. Because that level of disruption might not be good for business. Yeah. yeah? But they could drop off the kind of thirty percent cut to something like Microsoft did for the for the PC, you know, from thirty to twelve, or thirty to fifteen. Mm -hmm. You're talking about billions of kind of um, you know dollars of of revenue. I think that would that would probably suit them. Yeah, but I think it's on really shaky ground though, because like, because because if they start doing something like that and they call it that if it's not considered a traditional game and you call it a, <laughs> a metaverse, metaverse. everything else is going to say oh i'm a metaverse well that's already starting to happen <laughs> uh Ro Ro roblox came out and said no we're not a game either you know yeah, yeah, and how about how about Mine minecraft <laughs> you know but that's microsoft oh we're, we're not a game all of a sudden everybody's not a game destiny we're not yeah. a game yeah i know you i know you oh, guys weren't a game you <laughs> not a game that i really want to play at the moment but i mean uh, I, I I think what would be funny if is they get to a point where they say, no, we're not a game, we're a casino. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah I mean, it's just, it, it's a little bit comical from that sense, you know what I mean? Like, so, it's, so again, it's like, you know, people laugh at all this whole, the whole conversation about what is a game. <laughs> but, you know, yeah. I, I can understand why people are having that conversation. Yeah. I can understand it. But I, I actually f thought the more interesting perspective here was... Is there an outcome where third-party storefronts would be allowed on some of these well-known kind of app stores like you know like apples obviously mm. like the xbox one like nintendo one like the playstation one now i think when tim cook took the stand he actually said there would be issues with security overheading collecting payments yeah complexity and user experience would be impacted which is quite clear really was obviously it's simple now it wouldn't be if we allowed multiple storefronts jurisdiction i think as well who owns a problem mm. let's say for instance you've got um i don't know a game pass storefront running on steam yeah yeah when the issue happens on game pass is it steam's problem or is it game pass's problem you know let's say um a game got taken down from game pass for whatever reason is that steam's problem mm. or is that Game Pass is problem. Yeah, it's a it's a bit of both. I think. Yeah. I think mean, it, de it depends on situation situation. But Apple, I think, what they need to do is think of themselves more like literally an operating system. You know, treat it like it's just Windows. It's a platform where you've got a whole bunch of users that are on it, mm. um, and charge based on that a subscription, a user model, a license agreement. Yeah. Um, True. And those sorts of things, really. Yeah. Then you got that internal almost competition do mm. you do you say if you have a presence on our app store then you can't sell what we sell yeah yeah it's like a anti anti-compete yeah on, on the on the sorts of things does that, that basically yeah. almost make the whole conversation redundant then 
You know what I mean? It's or if it is anti-compete in terms of you know similar to um, <laughs> yeah, we discussed it a few times around whose whose lunch are you actually eating yeah. by by offering certain things? You know, making sure there's an incentivization in order to for it to to make it work on the other one. You know, maybe it's a much smaller cut, but at least that allows for it to to exist uh, and there's still a a bit of revenue that goes back to um, places that offer you that opportunity. There's a lot, a lot of overhead here, and you know the integration as well. That you to allow. Mm. I mean, you know, of course you can, you know, you can just, you know, chuck on an app onto a device or a platform, whatever it may be. And but that's not a very clean way of doing it, you know. Yeah. There's operational overheads and you know whatnot by doing that, you know. So it's it's quite an interesting, you know, subject. And I think what I thought of was this: there's the argument that if I'm Game Pass. I should be allowed on the PlayStation Store. Mm-hmm. But could you imagine a situation where Microsoft said, oh no, we're, we're not going to put Game Pass on, on PlayStation Store. We're not going to mm. do that. Yeah. And yeah. the reason they wouldn't do that is because Game Pass is such a USP for the Xbox consoles and Windows yeah. gaming. By putting it on the PlayStation, that also kind of says that, well, well, you know, we've got to we've got to not be taking away games and making them exclusive. Mm. So there's this whole counter argument of you know if you did that, then what happens here in this scenario? And is that anti-competitive? <laughs> mm. <laughs> there's so many things that you, you ways this this could go. Yeah, you could be you could be tripped up multiple times in multiple levels, and you know again you know doing that as you've kind of said it before you know. Whose lunch are you going to be eating, right? If you offer this up, open this up to the world, then what's going to happen? Who, who's whose service are you taking away from? Whose console are you taking yeah, away from? Yeah, exactly. Whose storefront yeah. are you taking away from? I mean, I, I just kind of hope, like, whatever happens with this, right? Um, mm. It's fair. I think that's the that's the yeah. key thing. It has to be fair. Right? Otherwise, why, why yeah. do this? Yeah. Yeah. Because you know we don't want to get into a situation like um, that. The rulings happened. You know, whatever the outcome is. But it, it just makes the situation far more complicated for the end user, the gamer, the consumer. You know, sure, it opens it up a little bit, but is it of benefit, you know, to the to mm-hmm. the normal man or woman? Yeah? Yeah. You know, I hope that works out the way we think it's gonna work out or we want it to work out. But yeah. I can tell you the Bosman ruling didn't work out the way we wanted it to work out. <laughs> <laughs> Mm-hmm. If you know what I mean, it, it's exciting and it's interesting, but is it fair? Yeah. I don't know. Mm. I think yeah. that's, that's yeah. one thing I would yeah. say. It's got to, you know, whatever do, happens, it got, it's got to be fair. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I think I think the the key will be literally just the the players, as long as they have access to the games, and as long as the in-game purchases don't, you know, skyrocket off the back of this, I think we're we're probably okay. But but like you say, if there's some strange consequences as a result of the ruling then yeah let's just hope it's not detrimental um, to the gamers indeed and with that said let's move on to the next topic you know enough about law (laughs) (laughs) okay Al our next topic is risk and arm mm. and how it might affect computing and gaming. Mm-hmm. Computing and gaming. Obviously, it's another long subject. And before I get into this, 
I'm just going to give a you know a brief history mm -hmm. to anybody that might be listening to this. And the history is you know generally about risk and how it started off, you know where we are today. Yeah, yeah. Okay, where you are today, risk. If you don't know, is basically reduced instruction set computer or mm -hmm. chip that's interchangeable these days. And it's a chip with small, highly optimized set of instructions mm -hmm. versus a CISC, which is a complex instruction set computer or chip. Mm -hmm. And that's really your your x86. Mm -hmm. One thing about that that RISC executes instructions in a low number of clock mm -hmm. cycles. Now, ARM itself is a family of RISC CPUs started by a UK company called Acorn. Al, you and I will yeah. both know. Yeah. 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 They used to make computers like the, the BBC Model B, <laughs> which is actually linked to the actual BBC TV channel. We know, love or loathe, <laughs> you know, in the UK. Yeah. Yeah. And at the time, there were there was an associated show called, I think it was the Computer Programme, some sterile name oh, they used. Yeah. Was it, well, there was Tomorrow's World, if it was that one. <laughs> it's all that sort of stuff, really. But the aim of these programs was to basically spread computer literacy. You know, the BBC Model B, it was big in the educational area. So the BBC Micro was adopted in primary and secondary schools. And basically, that was in the 80s. First, the ARM chips also basically made an appearance back in, I think, the 80s. I think 1983, to be precise. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And one noteworthy fact was that the BBC Model B was used to simulate the first ARM chip design. Mm. A BBC Model B was used mm -hmm. for that, mm. shockingly. To give context to why RISC and ARM uh, was such a coveted technology mm -hmm. at the time, the ARM2 chip architecture was roughly seven times the performance of a typical seven megahertz, 68,000 base system, mm -hmm. like a Commodore Amiga or Macintosh SE. Yeah. It was twice as fast as an Intel 386 running at 16 megahertz and was about the same speed as a multi-processor fax super mini computer. Mm -hmm. So all considered, you know, fast as mm -hmm. shit, you know, in its day. And again, these guys, these ARM chips, these ARM2 chips were actually uh, introduced into the Acorn Archimedes range of computers, you know, in mm -hmm. the 80s. And, you know, other noteworthy Examples of RISC CPUs include MIPS, PowerPC, SunSpark, and obviously the mobile chips that we know from Samsung or Qualcomm. And we know right now, in terms of RISC, there's a massive market penetration, especially in the mobile space. Yeah. It's massive. Yeah. Okay. Recent developments, Apple M1, Windows 10 for ARM. We already know Linux distros already work with ARM. Mm. NVIDIA want to acquire ARM for 40 billion <laughs> you know, dollars. And I think with a really with a view to use it in enterprise for kind of machine yeah. learning. Yeah. And you know, going through some of these details, I mean let's let's go one by one. Let's go, you know, let's talk about Apple. You know, obviously uh, Apple M one, they've now got a bit of synergy between mobile devices and laptop desktop. Laptop and desktop yeah. I should say. Which we know is actually compatible with Windows ten via Windows ten for ARM. So you mm -hmm. can run that on your Apple M1. How will moving Apple devices to a single risk architecture affect their games offering? <laughs> now that's what I'm wondering. Yeah. And my view is, is it's, it's just going to be about simplifying games development for that platform. You know, if you develop something for like an iPad or an mm -hmm. iPhone, 
with the same architecture, yeah. you know, you're going to have that, and we know it will run. It will run on the M1 yeah. computers. So any Mac yeah. or kind of MacBook, they'll all run off that, which would be quite nice then. So like you say, a single platform where you can at least guarantee, well, to an extent that it will run a bit better um, in terms of compatibility, right? And you don't have to rewrite something else in order to make it work for a different style of chip. Yeah, for Apple. absolutely. And the engines will also help with that, I would, I would have thought. In terms of gaming, that's what, that's what it brings to the mm. table. You know, we know the M1 chips, um, great chips in terms of power, performance, that sort of thing, in general efficiency. So it's a real step forward for, yeah. for Apple. If, if we can get some synergy with games development across all Apple devices, if developers can, let's say, become a bit more efficient and, as a consequence, really pull their resources across a number of different devices, yeah, because they share the same underlying architecture. I think that can only be good for you know Apple gaming, to mm. be honest. Mm. And I think you know it's something they've always wanted to do, if you ask me. Now, ironically, or not, I think Microsoft making an ARM-compatible version of Windows really is helpful to to Apple kind of gaming in general. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, now, Microsoft had released Windows on ARM, I think it was back in, it started off back in 2017. Mm-hmm. However, Windows 4 ARM, maybe not Windows 10, goes back kind of much further, I think 2011, 2011. Yeah. But right now, what they've introduced for Windows in ARM back in December 2020, and I think this is just for a beta mm-hmm. preview, X64 emulation, mm. X64 emulation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And also, Microsoft and Qualcomm teamed up to create a um, Windows on ARM developer PC. <laughs> so they're just trying to push mm. forward with, let's say, application development for ARM on Windows. You know, they're yeah. not leaving behind x86, don't get me wrong. But they're, yeah. they're trying yeah. to basically, what I've understood is, you know, say to developers, look, do both. Yeah, mm. do both. So I just kind of wonder, if, is, you know, is Microsoft's future, in fact, a risk Ooh. one? Maybe. I mean, it leaves a door open, right? Uh, in terms of what they're doing there. And it's very smart, right? Because, I mean, maybe it's off the back of their ventures into, um, you know, Windows Windows Mobiles and all those sorts of yeah, things. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> which which <laughs> didn't quite work out too well for them. But I think this, you know, allows them to have, you know, virtual machines on, on these ARM, you know, or RISC-based kind of offerings. And it just increases their licenses, right? So they just have more more people using Windows, more people using Office 365, and the whole suite of stuff. So, I, I, you know, I think it's it's good on them to actually making that available, because there's going to be you know there's such a big market uh, of consumers that um, could utilize it. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it, you know, to a degree they're hedging their bets, no doubt about that. Mm. But you know, with the especially, I mean, what interests me for gaming is just the emulation piece, and I just wonder one day if yeah. it could be quick enough. That it's just like, you know, it, it, it's kind of like you're running software mm. on an x86, but it's ARM, yeah? And, I mean, it, I think it matters a lot for gaming. Mm-hmm. Obviously, it's, you know, it's it, it's performance-centric, but that could be a big thing. You know, definitely a big mm. thing. And moving on to NVIDIA, who obviously, mm. they're betting big on ARM. They're trying to acquire <laughs> ARM, you know, for 40, yes. you know, 40 billion you know, US dollars, yeah? I mean, what people think, it's 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 also about 
enterprise and machine mm. learning really i think the spec definition of arm 9 mm. which seems to be really geared towards uh, machine learning better yeah. security mm-hmm. and again arms generally you know uh, backwards compatible so yeah. arm 8 was designed for virtualization scalar floating points and bflow mm. apps which is, again i think it's really for ai machine learning and scientific applications yeah. so i you know for me it yeah. feels like it, it's about enterprise mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. nvidia have also released these things called gray cpus based on mm-hmm. arm they're geared towards ai and you know let's view out the marketing hype 30x higher bandwidth and 10x mm. app performance versus something else <laughs> for, for basically enterprise and scientific workloads right and i think they yeah. they talked about that in in nvidia's gd gtc 2021 mm-hmm. so from that perspective whilst they're focused on really i think for enterprise yeah will we see nvidia yeah. actually um challenge in the cpu market especially especially with the advent of windows 10 for all mm, yeah i i suspect they won't but you know <clears throat> if, they've, if, they've, if they if the arm purchase goes through then you know there is a possibility i just don't see them focusing on that um, as a kind of main effort going into the cpu market specifically i'd agree with you but I'd, I'd agree with you from the consumer market. I think for mm. enterprise, that's going to be mm. a bit different. Yeah. I think they will they will kind of obviously focus on that. And as a consequence of that, you know, with whatever advantages it might bring, going arm and risk, right? Will it force AMD and Intel to produce their own risk arm <laughs> variants? Because I, I know these yeah, guys yeah. have looked at it in the past, but now there's, you know... There's a business competitive reason to do it. Yeah, well, I think that one is ultimately, and I think you're right, if if enterprise moves to risk-based as well, um, you know, separating out uh, the the sort of separate GPUs, separate cores, separate other things for, for specific distinct purposes, right? You know, they can easily continue on that line. And actually, over time, because enterprise will end up hosting cloud services for for almost any other thing you know could be an individual pc it would only make sense that the individual cpu individual kind of consumer machines are also the same um otherwise you know you're going to be stuck in the middle because you've got (laughs) you've got enterprise you've got mobile on the other side all on risk-based and then you're stuck in the middle (laughs) with just a basic retail consumer of um you know as as someone on an old platform really so Mm. um Correct, correct. Yeah, it, it may be that it's forced into it, but it will depend on, yeah, like you say, the enterprise stuff. You know, mobile, mobile, there's no real dispute on that yeah. side. Yeah, it does depend on a few more things moving towards that. And then it's just synergies of creating these things then and maintenance of these, um, being able to make things run on uh, on the CISC-based uh, CPUs, etc. Yeah, agree, agree, agree. And and then you kind of move on to the consoles. And it, this is actually quite a, quite a funny one. It's a little bit ironic, really, you know. <laughs> If you look at it, PS1 used a MIPS RISC CPU. PS2, mm. the Emulsion Engine was RISC. Yeah. PS3, the Cell processor at its core, it had PowerPC. Mm. I'm not sure what you classify the, the the SPUs on a PS3 as, but maybe it, it was RISC. Mm-hmm. In Xbox 360, I think it was PowerPC based. Mm-hmm. So again, that's a variant of RISC as I understand it. 
GameCube, Wii, Wii U, or Power PC mm-hmm. based. Mm-hmm. Current day Nintendo, Switch basically uses um, Nvidia's Tegra X1 system on a chip, mm-hmm. basically which has ARM and ARM for yeah. uh, Cortex A57 cores. So that's that's basically ARM risk yeah. all the way. Yeah. And it's the irony of it. Now that Xbox and PlayStation consoles are on x86. <laughs> and this is the second generation mm. they've been on x86, yeah? Yeah. And now that backwards compatibility is mm. a thing. It's an expected feature. Continuity yeah. is an expected feature. Mm. Will these mm. guys ever go back to risk any time they're gonna soon? Need, they're going to need a push. There needs to be a push from someone to go force them to do it. Um, and like you say, the backward compatibility side um, is going to be difficult. But maybe maybe this is where maybe Windows has given them an all an opportunity, right? If you can make make x86 run on you know a risk based system or, or or just even ARM, then you know there's a way forward for them to provide some level of compatibility, even if maybe it's a bit more laggy, a bit more clunky. But, um, <laughs> at least it's there. Yeah, it's an it's an interesting one. And for me, the looking at it, because I'm almost seeing there being potential. I mean, I'm, this is years away. By the way, this is this is mm. not going to happen, you know, in the next five years or anything along those lines. Um, yeah. That typical computing is going to basically go to risk for the normal guy. You know, I'm not talking about enterprise, but let's just say mm. for the normal guy. But yet, games consoles are going to be on x86, whereas years and years ago, games consoles were pretty much all risk-based. Mm. Yeah, and you know, that's that's a strange thing for me. I mean, but like you said, if the emulation part of it works out, not so much a factor. If AMD or Intel or Nvidia were to go all in with risk, to be mm. honest, I don't see let's say Microsoft or Sony going their own way and creating their own yeah, chips. Yeah, they they would follow suit. And it would only make sense. Again, it's like it's like a critical mass of Mobile's already very clear what it's going. You know, there's not, <laughs> there's nothing else out there. Yeah, they're, they're not going x86 really. anytime yeah. soon. You know, in yeah. the next millennium. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, that that that, that was just in, an interesting kind of in terms of risk. Uh, that, that's just an interesting some interesting facts there. Mm. And I I just think you know watch this space. Things seem to be changing rapidly. And yeah. you know, I kind of, I kind of think in the next five years, look at the landscape. Yeah, yeah. the PC might look a little bit different. I, and I'm interested in a topic that you know I've kind of tagged as a, as a later one. But you know, there's always these talk of Chinese challenger chips, CPUs, GPUs, those ones, and what they will do, and how that kind of integrates again the the sort of um, the population of who's using what. You know, if China is going to be pushing out CPUs and GPUs. And specifically targeting the Chinese market, that's going to, you know, and if it's different, then then what does that mean to the overall, you know, population of of, of types of things that are supported out there and popularity over time, right? We can touch upon that when we when we get to it. I, I just I just do think that Windows basically starting to support ARM is is kind of very telling. Mm. Mm. They they must be kind of thinking well the 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 wind could be blowing in a different direction now, so we got to be ready, you know, mm. getting there quickly. But yeah, I'm, again. Just, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. There's an even. There's an even other wind <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. With that said, I think it's uh, time to kind of park 
the risk conversation mm. with the risk pun intended of going too long with it <laughs> right <laughs> to move on to our next top topic yeah Okay, I think what we want to talk about next is PlayStation. Now, I've told this one, mm. PlayStation, turning a corner. And I kind of say that because, obviously, there's been a lot of negativity about what Sony and PlayStation have been doing recently. And I think we, you know, we even had a, mm-hmm. a, a topic in one of our previous podcasts that mm. pretty much said, you know, is PlayStation being complacent or evil? <laughs> yep, yep. So, you know, recently... We've had a bit more in terms of positive news from PlayStation. We've had, Mm -hmm, obviously, mm -hmm. the Ratchet & Clank gameplay trailer, which is super impressive. No doubt about that. Returnal's come out, Mm -hmm, uh, mm -hmm. which I think critically it's been... It's done well, but there's there's been a little bit of negativity around that. It's a little bit buggy. Mm. As a game, it's extremely difficult, is what I understood. Mm -hmm, mm Mm-hmm. But what I will say is that it, it it's showing that Sony is willing to experiment. You know, it's not a it's not a run of the mill yeah. game. Definitely not a run of the mill game. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. There's been information also that PlayStation Studios has. I, I think we're talking about first party as well. They've got 25 games in development. Yeah. They've reiterated that they're interested in UIPs. You know that sort of thing. I think they've said in between the lines that, you know, yes, we're still about experimentation, you know, that sort of thing. You know, whether that's kind of PR speak and all of that, who yeah. knows, right? Yeah. But it's been said. Mm. Yeah. PSVR 2 specs have come mm. out or leaked out. <laughs> yeah. That all sounds really, really, you know, impressive. Yeah. Haptics, I think, on the headset, you know, everything that we, we speculated about inside out tracking, mm. you know, all of that sort of good stuff. So, Seems like it's it's going to be a really compelling kind of VR offering. Yeah. PS5, as we know, is also selling super well, even in you know with the circumstances mm. the world's under. All of that sounds good. All of that sounds positive. Yeah. You know, you might say, what are people complaining about here? We're in, you know, PlayStation is in excellent shape. <laughs> yeah. They're still doing their thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But then recently. You know, I think uh, another interview happened. I think this was a few days ago. Mm. And this was actually after the Horizon 2 gameplay, you know, trailer. Which, let's be honest, was super, super, super impressive, in my view. Super impressive. Yeah. Yeah. But we now know, as well as Horizon being cross-gen, the next God of War and the next Gran Turismo cross-gen. And I hear Gran Turismo Mm. was... The decision to for it to be cross-gen is a recent decision mm. whereas I think Horizon and maybe God of War were always intended to be yeah. cross-gen yeah. but there's been a bit of an uproar about that and I, I kind of think why mm. you know in one way I know people are a bit disappointed because they want PS5 exclusives <laughs> they want something to show off their, their system you know whatever it might be mm-hmm. but you know I, I personally can't I don't see why Horizon can't you know, couldn't be that game, or even the new God of War couldn't be that game. Yeah. The the last God of War was so was so impressive that, you know, what are you talking about? It's just it just it's an impressive game. I mean, what do you want? <laughs> yeah, and I, and I think it's just because again, I think similarly to the to kind of the earlier topic as well around 
some of these things is that if it causes a delay and if it causes fidelity type questions even to your PlayStation 5 one then then that's probably what they're worried about and hence they're probably in a bit more of an uproar rather than you know so it's like time and effort that you'd spend on the PS5 version versus PS4 and other things so and you know just getting more stuff on the PS5 I think so no, no doubt they're they will, they will, they will try and complain about it, but um, it's it's a difficult one. And then obviously on the the flip side is Sony just wants to be able to offer it up to a much wider market. You know, they'd sell much more of the games because there's still a huge number of people on PlayStation Four, and and like you say, it's still going to look amazing. You know, on on that platform. So you know, why not have access to a great game on that platform? I mean, there's still a hundred million plus PS4 owners. Potentially, mm. still playing that system. Yeah, you know, exactly. uh, given that, from business perspective, Sony need to make money. You know, they're a for-profit organization. Yeah, but you've got a hundred million PS4 owners out out there. Mm. Are you really gonna basically, you know, cut them off? <laughs> I mean, should you? I know we've done it in other generations where we've just said, okay, well, you know what, new machine, new generation. You know, we're not gonna we're not gonna release the um, the new first-party titles on on the old system, yeah? yeah. Because really, the way I see it now is continuity. Mm. I think now, like I mean, these consoles being on a specific technology architecture like x86 yeah. plus you know the AMD GPUs. Really, we gotta expect this now. Mm. I think this is the new norm. If you ask me, I'm um, yeah, I'm I'm really kind of like not sure how people can expect that. <laughs> I mean, what why would you even want it? I mean, I mean, I, I can I know why they want it. Do you know what I mean? It's, no, it's a, it's purely a selfish one, right? It's it's purely oh, I have a PS5, I want it to be just for me. Yeah, yeah, I think I think it's a little bit it's a little bit like this, but I mean, but I mean, even if it is cross-gen, is it going to be a terrible experience? Hmm. From what I could see of Horizon, certainly yeah. not. Certainly from a graphics fidelity frame rate perspective, I think it's going to be very, very good. Yeah. Yeah. If you're talking about something not making use of 3D audio, equally, I don't think you're going to have that problem. Mm, mm. And I think people can, or developers, could easily plumb in, you know, DualSense uh, support, no problem also, you know, yeah. if it's cross-gen. I think where, where they might struggle is if, if, if a game's been designed with the fast SSD in mind. Mm. For, you know, for instance, Ratchet and Clank. I mean, let, let's actually step back, right? I mean, if the fast SSD drive, what that get you? That will give you fast load times, obviously. And we've seen that being offered in patches and whatever else. Last gen games, not a problem. Yeah. You'll get fast travel on maps. Again, I don't think that's difficult yeah. to plumb in. Yeah. What might be difficult to plumb in is two things. Really, the moments that use the SS, SSD for specific uh, game mechanics. For instance, in Rift Apart, you see him go through a portal, almost pull it towards him. Yeah, but it's not the it's not the moments where he pulls it towards him that are really the the, the problem. It's when he does it to get a tactical advantage. Mm. You know, he will pull a rift towards him, and then he'll maneuver himself maybe. Mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. into position to take out an enemy. Yep. You know, clearly that's going to be difficult to replicate from yep. you know between the, the two gens. Also, if the Rift Apart developers are to be believed, and I kind of believe them, they're using the SSD 
to stream in, stream in assets mm. really, really quickly. Let's say for seconds ahead. Let's just call yeah. it that, yeah? yeah? With the perspective of being able to use this, the, the memory they have at their disposal, mm. you know, right now, as opposed to, let's say, 30 seconds ahead. Mm. That'll have a... You know, implication on you know, you know, basically environment density, you know, detail of the graphics and all that sort of thing. Yeah. But in that case, you know, if it's you could you could dumb it down, the quality will drop. But the reality is, mm. you know, it's those gameplay design moments that you're not going to be able to replicate. Yeah, yeah. In reality, if if it's an issue, damn, you might even have to give them a basic load screen. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? But not for those kind yeah. of in-game moments. Yeah. That's that's what I was trying to say. Yeah. I don't really get it. There's a lot, of, you know. There's a lot of negativity around that, but I, I don't get it. Is is it really the PlayStation Nation? Doesn't feel like a nation. <laughs> that gives <laughs> gives a shit about one another sometimes. But I mean, like, yeah. And I, I found that quite odd. Exactly. Yeah. And I and I would say, if anything else, it probably is. It's less of an issue now. And I think it's it's for other things as well. When you get to multiplayer games, cross you know cross gen things like you were saying around loading times and stuff you know there may be some more there but but you know i think in 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 the stuff that the games that have been suggested you know i think it's perfectly fine there is going to be probably a bit of delay but you know if it gets to a much wider market for what sony needs i think it i think it makes yeah, it's, more it's sense. kind of like you know gameplay elements where you just can't wait if you know what i mean mm. you're in game you're in mid flow of the gameplay where you just can't wait where that SSD comes into its own. Yeah. But everything else, I kind of think, can be dumbed down. In some cases, yeah. Mm. You know, you could basically, fortunately, unfortunately, have some sort of um, loading screen or even one of those, they're almost like cutscenes where you're walking through a, a gap or something like to to mask the fact that you're, you know, loading something on a yeah, and that might be a, yeah. a difference that might they might have to introduce. But really, you know, I'm sure people could live with that if they got the game, you know, played it on the previous generation. Yeah, yeah. But if it's all said and done. I think yeah, there's there's been a some positive news about you know what um what Sony are doing. Now half of it, let's be honest, is is PR spin, and I'm I'm wondering mm. you know mm-hmm. within E3 whether we will actually get some impromptu news from them because you know I, I just <laughs> yeah. I just think to myself it's it's a bit ludicrous that during E3 that they're going to keep silent yeah their mm. continued silence you know I don't know if it, it doesn't make me nervous but I just kind of wonder well, why <laughs> if you've got something to say say it you know what I mean like why are you saying anything <laughs> you know it's quite an amusing thing yeah 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 and I think we're it still feels a bit too early to say I think with with PlayStation Although yeah, they, I still think they've got a lead so far in the in the console war. Yeah, I, I still don't know if that war really exists, but I mean, they've definitely got a a, a mm. lead. That's for sure. We know they, they're selling. They're definitely selling more consoles than Microsoft. I think it's not that bad. Yeah, yeah. And Al, with that said, now that we're thinking that PlayStation has turned that corner, it's time for us to turn that corner mm. <laughs> and talk a little yep. bit about Xbox. Mm-hmm. So Al, the next topic is really about um, Xbox. I've titled this 
Xbox <laughs> for the gamers. Yeah? yeah. For the gamers. Question mark mm. as well. Question mark. Now, we know that Microsoft and Xbox have been super yeah. open this generation. Lots of information coming out. Yeah. Super, super open. We also know that they're more or less, not, not more or less, they are definitely the backwards mm. compatible kings yeah. of this generation. Mm-hmm. That is a real thing for them. That is a real thing for them. Yeah. We also know finally they've admitted it. Some of these games that came with the Bethesda acquisition <laughs> are exclusive. Starfield is exclusive. Should be no surprise to anybody. I don't yeah. know why there's noise around it. For one thing, it's a piece of IP that doesn't exist on anything else right now. It's new. If you're going to make anything exclusive, and still maintain your openness and you know your your I don't I wouldn't call it a mantra but they they've talked about not wanting to mm. take away games from from gamers. If an IP doesn't exist on it at the moment, <laughs> you're not taking yeah. away any yeah. anything from anybody. So no surprise. But I would say just two things, right? Number one, where are the games? <laughs> <laughs> That people are talking about. Yeah. Where are the games? We've got game. We got games pass, and that's amazing value. Amazing value, yeah. But where are the mm. games? Yeah. Yeah. And uh, number two, based on what we what we heard in the Epic V's Apple, you know, case, right? Is Game Pass actually the video game savior, or is it actually another threat here? Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> To the first point with Xbox, you know, where are the games? Mm. I'm hoping that this E3, we're gonna basically kind of hear a little bit more. Yeah. 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 You know, maybe they're gonna talk a little bit about Halo Infinite uh, on Games Pass. It's yeah, it's it's, it's double edged, isn't it? Because it it offers such good value, and to the point at which, okay, where where is all that money gonna get distributed? Right? You know who. Yeah, if all these all these all these players are complaining about the various stores and stuff, you know what happens to you know what happens to the Game Pass offering? Um, you know, and does it you know does it detrimentally hit their revenues that much? Don't know. And again, actually, as part of Game Pass, will they get a cut of any further in in app purchases, in game purchases as well? And you know, that's maybe is another thing to to kind of have a look at. But I think it's um you know on your kind of you know question around whether it's a, a savior or a threat to um, to these sorts of things I think it's I think it's a good thing for the consumer is it a threat to a consumer I don't think so but I think it's a threat to the way these app stores works the you know you could argue they're monopolies in some ways as well um, but it, it's another vent it's another venue in which you know things are being driven through rather than through a store but it's a platform then it's a service that is being offered. And maybe maybe Xbox needs to think about you know if if Fortnite is offered as part of Game Pass, where does that cut go to? <laughs> so yeah, those sorts of things. I do wonder about this because I think you brought up the, the last podcast. You know, right now, um, I I think the share price of Netflix has dropped somewhat. Netflix, yeah, Netflix uh, has dropped, yeah, quite yeah. significantly. Yep. I mean, what I understood was that was about profitability. Yeah, because obviously. Mm. Netflix has had to drop all this money to get content onto their service. Yeah, initial investment yeah, yeah. To, to build the business, blah, 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 blah. 
Yeah, 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 yeah. But then once that's done, and I'm assuming that's that's ongoing anyway, operationally, mm. business perspective, you you know, you've got to kind of have incomings that out, you know, that really outweigh your outgoings, yeah. you know. Yeah. That's what I understood about. That. Yeah, and and I, and then I think specifically Netflix, the main issue was the fact that the numbers and the statistics and the reports to the shareholders were showing that it felt like, you know, the numbers of subscriptions are, are peaking. It's getting to a point where you're not going to get many more people wanting to go on to Netflix. So that means the question is, is that you're, if you're still not making money whilst you're getting to your peak, when the hell are you ever going to make money? So this is like, well, you know, are you, are you, are you actually giving too much value and, and that sort of thing? So, so it's a difficult one. Yeah, difficult correct, one. correct. And um, Microsoft, as being as as big as they are, they can you know bankroll this for a long mm. while, long time. But there will come a point in mm. time where you know what they need to see some sort of return on their investment. Yeah. Yep. So at that point, yep. what happens then? You know, is it going to mm. become more ex- mm. expensive? Is it be, is it going to be something that basically? impacts out of the developers and publishers you know then you mm. know then the percentage cut might change then it becomes less friendly yeah and I, I was thinking about this 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 is a very insidious kind of thought actually but I was thinking to myself if Microsoft can't beat Nintendo and Sony at their own game mm. so let's say they've got they need to win by other means yeah <laughs> they need to take away mm from their competitors by another means. Yeah. Yeah. Is that means by offering games pass as cheaply as they can where mm. the console or the platform no longer becomes a factor really. Yeah. Mm. Mm-hmm. And mm. by doing that, they're actually kind of bleeding Sony and Nintendo. Yeah, let's say. Yeah. So they can't definitely so they're possible. not in a position mm. where they can compete. <laughs> yeah, you know I mean, and that's a really yeah, serious evil playing, fool. Uh, Yeah, if you're if you're playing the ultimate long game, yeah. you know, and it's a game of how long can we bleed? Yeah. <laughs> then, them, you know, like they're gonna last, right? who's Go got on. the most blood? <laughs> <laughs> and then you know, they will be the you know, in the in the in the, in the sort yeah. of evil, insidious way, it would be their last man standing, yeah. which means then. They can charge whatever yeah, they want correct. after that. I, I wish I basically said, like, is Xbox evil? <laughs> you know, that's what I should have called this. But you know what I mean? It's just kind of a, a thought, right? I mean, look, let's assume, like, there is a console war going on, you know? Mm. And Game Pass is some sort of Trojan horse <laughs> <laughs> into, in, into this whole thing, right? Yeah, I mean, it's it's, it's, it's food for thought. But I mean, yeah, I don't think Microsoft are actually doing this, but I'm, I'm just thinking... That might be mm. the net effect of what happens, as well. Yeah, you know. Yeah, it could be. Yeah, it could be. Them, but but, but maybe there's a rebase of it at some point when they work out um, that they can't continue down that model. And again, I suspect it will have to react to the Epic versus Apple thing. Um, no doubt, um, there's a lot that's going to happen from that. Yeah, um, yeah, and it'll be kind of yeah. it'll kind of be very very telling if they you know if they get a chance to put kind of um, Game Pass on PlayStation and they opt not to. Mm. Yeah. Then what does that mean? You know what I mean? It's just like um, that will really put the cat amongst the pigeons. I tell you, if that would have to happen, <laughs> really, that that that's more wild speculation. But anyway, yeah. And and I guess back to your first point, yeah, on the on the games and for the gamers, 
yeah, they need to. They definitely need to speed. They definitely need to up that game if they really want to be a you know a game uh, a game offering. Yeah, I mean it's it's really it's really quite interesting. I, I mean I did say some time ago. I, I think Games Pass is their launch title, if you like. You know, mm. but it, you know, as good as Games Pass is, it's it's kind of boring not to have basically. <laughs> uh, you know that mm. that game you covet. Yeah. Ultimately, that's what gets people's attention. Yeah. So you know, I'm hoping that changes at E3. That you know, we see an exclusive that looks, you know, amazing. You know, yeah. gives people, you know, gives well certainly gives me a reason to go out and get an Xbox. But yeah. right now, aside from Game Pass being amazing, which I can get on my PC, I don't have a reason. Yeah, I yeah. do not have yeah. a reason, yeah. which is you know a little bit of a problem. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I think exactly the same. But I think it, for me, it also applies to. PlayStation to an extent. I need that one, that one game that, yeah. that actually wants me to to actually go and purchase one. So I, you know, I've not been trying to put to get a PS PlayStation Five because I've just not needed one. So yeah, yeah, I mean, I think I think that's a fair cop. I don't think there's a there's I don't think there's a massive reason to get any of these consoles at the moment. Mm, mm, mm. Yeah, I feel there's there's more of a reason right now to get a, a PS Five. Because yeah. there's yeah. there's a handful of titles you can get on it that you can't get elsewhere. It literally yeah. is a handful. Is that yeah. enough for you to drop at least five hundred pounds mm. or five hundred US dollars or five hundred euros on, so you can play a handful of games? <laughs> Probably not. Yeah. Yeah. Probably not. Yeah. But again, look, time will tell. E3 is coming up, and I hope the whole situation becomes crystallised. Hope kind of you know Xbox continues basically um, pushing games past because I I said before by them doing that it's basically forcing Sony to do more yeah mm. and Sony won't do anything unless they're putting you know they, <laughs> unless they feel feel friend they're not going to do anything you know mm-hmm, they'll carry mm-hmm. on doing what yeah. they're doing because you know we we're just ba- we're basically gonna we're just fueling that machine <laughs> yeah there's not there's yeah. no other alternative we're just gonna fuel that machine and they're gonna carry on. Yeah, I'm hoping you know Xbox. You know, is for the game. And so far, they've they're, yeah. they're saying and doing the right things. But you know, yeah. again, where are the games? And let's see how X you know games pass develops. Yeah, agreed. And Al, with us basically covering you know if Xbox is evil for the gamers or otherwise, uh, let's uh, let's move on. Mm. Okay, Al, uh, we've come to the end of the podcast. It's our mm. fifth one. Yep. It's still enjoyable, you know. <laughs> yep. It's uh, still going on for too long, I reckon. <laughs> and it's going to leave yeah. you, you know, with a lot of editing to do, but, you know, it is what it is. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, these conversations are good conversations to be having. I will ask, the, obviously, our regular questions and obviously ask you, you know, what, what games are you playing and what, um, you know, mm. what tech activities you engaging in right now yeah uh pretty pretty boring on my side i think um <laughs> still on genshin impact still playing that um sp- spending more money on it to <laughs> uh, and that sort of stuff but um you know i'm trying to i try to space out my time uh, on that um as much as i can um haven't really dabbled much back onto cyberpunk yet but obviously you know i'm, I'm hoping to um, get onto mass effect uh, and a few other things soon when they free up a bit more time 
Um, Tech-wise, not much really. Um, I've been obviously keeping an eye on the, the Computech stuff and obviously the stuff we covered uh, kind of earlier in this podcast. And um, yeah, there's some in- obviously some very interesting stuff keeping my um, uh, piquing my interest around those things. Um, and obviously, um, yeah, looking forward to seeing you know what else will what, what else will kind of come out from that. Um, yeah, and, that, and that's me really, Joe. Uh, what about what about yourself? I actually got myself Hades on PC. Mm. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it's it's, a, it's such a coveted game in like, you know, multiple game mm. of the year awards and basically just started playing that. So, you know, just just begun. Yeah. I haven't got far at all into it. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's you know, it's interesting enough. You know, I, I just need to kind of get a little bit more into it. Yeah. I actually bought myself and pe- people got to laugh, right? Because basically I, I've left it so late, but I actually bought myself The Last of Us 2. <laughs> and yeah, um, yeah. you know it, the, the the whole um, play at home initiative. Mm-hmm, weirdly, mm-hmm. you could get it at for nine ninety nine at at game online. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, on the PlayStation Store, it's twenty three, twenty four pounds of discount for the mm-hmm, digital mm-hmm, one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. My partner and my daughter don't, don't know it, but that's my Father's Day's present that they're gonna give me. So yeah, that's what I that's what I did there. In terms of tech i'm actually learning kind of am, you know amazon web services so i'm just going to try and mm-hmm. go for my certification at some point so that, yeah. that's what yeah. i'm uh, doing technically and I'm, mm-hmm. I'm actually still basically um plodding away with the first god of war mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. still enjoying that actually i mean I, I just still maintain that's that's a really impressive game yeah but mm-hmm. you know i think that's gonna i'm gonna be done with that quite soon really it's, it's whenever yeah. I can get back to it and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And with that all being said, I think it's really time for our goodbyes now. I mean, so mm. it's goodbye from me, Joel. Until next time. Yep. And it's goodbye from me, Al. And basically, guys, whatever you're doing, please, and whatever you're doing, please like, subscribe, and whatever else. <laughs> <laughs> right. Have a stellar day. <laughs>